What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Valley coming at you with some Kevin Durant breaking news. But first and foremost, before we get started in this video, please, it would mean a lot to me if you hit that subscribe button. Also hit the like and provide any comments. I'm here to have a positive discourse, nothing that's overly hostile. Feel free to disagree, but be kind. But seriously, subscribe to the channel, like these videos, it helps us out a ton. But let's get to the latest Kevin Durant breaking news here. Uh, Sham Sharania is reporting from The Athletic that a new team has entered the, the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. He writes, recently a new team has shown interest in Durant. The Memphis Grizzlies, these league sources tell The Athletic, fresh off a 56-win season, the Grizzlies have made new inquiries to the Nets about Durant. Those sources added, Memphis has five first-round picks available, four unprotected selections of its own, and one protected via Golden State in 2024 to utilize in a trade as well as young players like Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, Zaire Williams, Brandon Clark, Kennedy Chandler, and David Roddy. Uh, also, Shams added that after Kevin Durant's trade request officially became official, uh, that John Morant had tweeted easy money, which everyone knows that easy money sniper is Kevin Durant. So they make those ties to it. And finally, Sharania said that the Grizzlies so far have been unwilling to include Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. in any trade talks and prefer instead to, to flip their bevy of bath pit, draft picks. Uh, other teams were mentioned in this. The Raptors, uh, the Celtics, the Heat, and the Suns are all kind of tangentially involved. The Raptors still won't trade Scotty Barnes. The Celtics offered Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a first. The Hawks offered John Collins, uh, DeAndre Hunter, and a first. The asking prices that are being reported are like rather low. There are very good players involved. John Collins, all-star caliber. Uh, but I think this leads me to believe that some teams think Durant is eventually going to be uh, sent out for less than Brooklyn wants, which I would probably agree with. Some of these packages are too low. And look, the Jalen Brown offer, if that was on the table, Brown, White, and a first, like that's a real, that's a real offer. But for the Grizzlies specifically, should they be involved and can they even pull off a deal? Um, I don't find it a coincidence that this is being reported two days before Danny Green can be aggregated in another trade. Uh, this report's coming out on August 22nd. Danny Green can be aggregated with other players as part of a bigger deal, uh, August 24th. And his expiring salary matters, even if he's not going to play next season because it's a nice salary anchor. If you're Memphis, though, you need to cobble together like between 35.2 and 35.3 million dollars to take Kevin Durant back. Um, that's like if you're not including Jaron Jackson Jr., that's challenging, I will say. But it's not impossible. You have to give up Stephen Adams, basically. So you have Stephen Adams making uh, that big number at 17.9 million, and then you have Dylan Brooks. That gets you to almost, you know, 30. You're at 29.4 million. And if you include Danny Green in there, you're at 39.4. So those three larger contracts, because if you're not trading Jaron Jackson Jr., you can't trade Tyus Jones right now. Uh, you're not trading John Morant. Clearly, he also signed an extension, so it'll be tough to trade him right now. So you have the the meat and potatoes. It'd probably have to be Steven Adams and then Brooks or Green, um, if not both, depending on what other money is going out. If they just want it to be... Uh, picks like you're probably looking at this would be the offer if they're willing to uncork all their draft equity you'd go steven adams dylan brooks danny green zaire williams and then jake laravia david roddy and then all the picks so four of your own it'd be 23 25 27 and 29 and then you have golden state's 2024 pick that's top four protected so you could go five first round picks plus let's say zaire williams and then jake laravia and David Roddy plus salary filler, basically. I mean, Dylan Brooks is good. Maybe the Nets value him for his defense, 
uh, and he does have like some off the dribble pizzazz on on certain nights. But the crux of the offer would be you can give the the Nets five first round picks, up to four of them are unprotected, plus that Golden State pick, and then can you are they willing to accept that plus? Zaire Williams has to be in this deal. If you're not getting Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson Jr., like the Nets have failed there, or Kevin Durant just has all the leverage and they're trying to get rid of him. I don't think that the Nets would do that. It's a it's a real offer. I want to make that clear. If you're including five first-round picks and you're trading picks into the distance for 2029, that's a real offer. I just think Brooklyn wants more of an immediate bump from the package and having Dylan Brooks and Zaire Williams, then maybe a couple rookies in there. I don't think that's going to qualify as an immediate bump. I'm a big believer that the nets are eventually going to have to concede on that front. And that if they really want the fringe all-star talent, they need to circle back to the Hawks with John Collins or the Celtics with Jalen Brown. And to this point, it seems like new Orleans won't trade Brandon Ingram for Kevin Durant. What this also all says because, and I'll use Desmond Bain. I kind of get, we understand why John Morant's untouchable. And I kind of get why Jaron Jackson Jr. is untouchable. You'd want to pair him with Kevin Durant. And then Desmond Bain, yeah, it'd be ideal to keep him. But if you're not including Bain, and also if you're not including um, Brandon Ingram, if you're New Orleans, and if you're not including Scotty Barnes for sure, if you're Toronto, and maybe you wouldn't anyway, this also tells me that Durant has yet to expand his list of preferred destinations from Miami and Phoenix. And that's a big deal. There have been some rumblings that he would welcome the opportunity to play in Boston, uh, and that might sort of explain why Jalen Brown is on the table. So it does. Let's just throw those three teams in there. It says Boston, Miami, and Phoenix. Uh, I think Phoenix would be the like the the destination that benefits most. Like they might be the championship favorite with him. You'd probably make the same case with the Heat uh, or the Celtics, even. But I would uh, my own personal bias. I'd rather just see him in Phoenix. That would be the the most entertaining landing spot for me. But Memphis is like super intriguing if you have jaron jackson jr when he's healthy john morant and kevin durant and then you're somehow able to keep desmond bain that's like an absurd top four and as part of this deal like you know you're not obliterating your entire depth because tyus jones is not included in the deal you could get away in theory with the nets if you're including enough draft equity and young players would they let you keep dylan brooks just because he is extension eligible he's going to be a free agent i just don't know like let's just say it's five first round picks and the, the the Grizzlies say, hey, we're going to give you Jake LaRavia, Zaire Williams, even Brandon Clark. He's extension eligible, too. I don't I don't envision the Nets having I want to make this clear. And I know I think Grizzlies fans will take exception to this. Uh, the Nets are not going to have supreme interest in Brandon Clark or even maybe maybe Kennedy Chandler. I think they'll really like David Roddy. He's super intriguing as sort of this uh, like he's smaller, but he can play up really big. Uh, and if he hits his threes like he did during his final year at school, I think that's intriguing. But they would do this for the picks and Zaire Williams. Uh, and then if you're including, you know, David Roddy and like if you're just including the rookies you took this year in David Roddy and Jake LaRavia specifically, or two of Kennedy Chandler, David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, plus Zaire Williams, plus five first round picks. I know I'm I know I'm talking fast. There's a lot to work through here. But let's say that's the meat and potatoes of the offer. Is it's five first round picks, two of David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, and Kennedy Chandler, and then Zaire Williams. That's like you can get to the money without including Dylan Brooks. Still, you might have to move some other players involved in this uh, on the roster, but you could then have Dylan Brooks, Tyus Jones, Kevin Durant, John Morant, uh, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain. That's an absurd team. I don't know if I would call them the favorite in the West still, but the Grizzlies would become like one of the with Durant next season specifically. If you tell me Jaron Jackson Jr. gets to play in, give me sixty games, give me fifty-five games of Jaron, just. 
tell me he's healthy for the playoffs. That's a team that's going to be scary and one of the foremost title favorites. If I'm Memphis, would I give up the draft equity to get Kevin Durant without knowing whether he wants to stay? That's the, the question here. I probably wouldn't. I need to know that Kevin Durant's going to be committed and not request a trade again after next season. And let's just say Kevin Durant's open to playing with John Morant, open to playing in Memphis. Memphis is a great market, by the way. Memphis is a great place, great food there, fantastic fan base. Hopefully Grizzlies fans are watching this. And the way that John Morant has bought into uh, and built up the culture around that organization and just inside the city, maybe there's sort of like the, the Dame-esque there where if Kevin Durant came, maybe he would just love it because John Moran is so ingrained there. And that team was fucking fun last season. And that's where fucking miserable. The Grizzlies were fucking fun. So I would absolutely want to see it. Um, if you're the Grizzlies, you have to ask yourself though, if you're really trying to keep Bane, like, are you going to include some swaps in there as well? Like it could be a situation where it's five, like, are you going five first round picks and a couple of swaps uh, plus some of the youngsters? I still think I would do it because if you're getting to like the core, this isn't like the, the sun's, and they would have to give up all the picks anyway. I'm trying to think of a good example. It's not a young, it's not a team that would be left without upside if Durant came here. Because let's just say they keep Desmond Bain. I still, I'd be shocked. But let's say they keep Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. John Morant. Those guys haven't even entered their prime yet. And so there's like a nice, more natural segue here to Durant maybe taking on a smaller role or as he ages and perhaps not being as good. Like the team is still going to be able to not lift him up, but they're going to be able to be one of the foremost contenders for the duration of Durant's contract because they're kind of already tracking in that direction. So I fave this idea. Color me skeptical that it happens just because the asking price uh, I imagine the Nets will demand Jaron Jackson Jr. or Desmond Bain in this. If one of those players isn't sent out in this deal, I would be shocked. Um, I understand the Grizzlies not including either one in this deal, though. I also remain skeptical that they would go as far as four first-round picks, four or five first-round picks, excuse me, plus their full boat of youngsters that don't include Bain or, or Triple J if they don't think Kevin Durant wants to come. So let's monitor this. They're an interesting team to throw into the mix. That's enough out of me about this. The Athletics, Sham Sharania, and Tony Jones are reporting that the Knicks and Donovan Mitchell, we know that they were continuing to talk after apparently weeks of not talking, which I think just says execs were on vacation. They do frame it as a deal is not considered imminent, but we have details of what the actual offer is. Uh, they write, quote, New York made a recent offer of Evan Fournier, Obi Toppin, additional salary, and two unprotected first-round picks, five total so five total first round picks and they know the jazz's asking price has been more significant than that here are the keys here a few things one i would be surprised if the knicks make it out of this deal without including quentin grimes two it feels like the gap is closing because we know the jazz it's been reported they wanted between six and seven first round picks five is up there like five is a real haul five is rudy gobert territory the question is what are those first round picks uh, if there's two unprotected, we know that they're Knicks picks. And if you're getting two Knicks picks and you're the Jazz, that makes sense. Like you've shorted the Timberwolves' future. Why not short the Jazz, uh, the Knicks' future? Because the Knicks become exponentially better with Donovan Mitchell. But historically, the Timberwolves and the Knicks are two franchises that have struggled to get out of the middle for a longer period of time, at least since the you know the the Kevin Garnett uh, era for Minnesota, and then I guess the Carmelo Anthony era in New York. But even that was touch and go. So. Those five first round picks is a lot, but if we're talking about two Knicks picks and then the three conditional ones the Knicks acquired from Washington, uh, from Detroit, and then there's the Milwaukee 2025 pick, 
I don't know how much appeal that's going to have to Utah. They're going to want more Knicks picks. Uh, they're going to want those out into the distance. And so I think the sweet spot here is going to be probably three unprotected first round picks so that you're ensuring if you're the jazz, yeah, you get 2023. Uh, and then you're also going to get 25 and 27. And if you're the Knicks, you try and keep 2029 out of there, but it does feel like the Knicks are going to have to include at least th three unprotected first in this deal, especially if you don't want to move RJ Barrett to Quentin Grimes. The other thing here is I think it's pretty clear that the jazz don't want RJ Barrett. Maybe they would take him, but the Knicks probably value Barrett in a way that, they're going to take first round picks off the table if they include him. And if you're the jazz, you see RJ headed for this upcoming extension that will kick in in 23, 24. Do you want to pay him that much money overall or so early into your rebuild? You probably would rather have Quentin Grimes, maybe even Emmanuel quickly who has two years left on his rookie scale. Quentin Grimes has three years left on his rookie scale. What's interesting is that the New York post reported uh, Tom Thibodeau would prefer to trade RJ Barrett rather than Quentin Grimes because he, views Grimes as the better three-point shooter and defender. Long-term, I mean, that might be fair. RJ has more levels to his game, more dimensions when you're looking at putting the ball in his hands than Grimes does, unless we buy a lot in the summer league. Uh, and you're not going to need as much of a, a ball-dominant RJ, who has proven he could play off the ball. Let's make that clear. But you're not going to need as much of a ball-dominant RJ when you have Jalen Brunson, uh, Donovan Mitchell, and then Julius Randle has not been mentioned in any of these trade talks. So unless you have another trade lined up for him, that's something you need to consider. Uh, it does feel like we're getting closer here because Obi Toppin plus five first round picks. It feels like it's a matter of the Knicks need to include one more young player. And then do they need to include another draft pick for six? Do they need to unprotect one of their own and, you know, sub out? Let's say they're trying to give up the Dallas 23 pick, but they instead include one of their own. That's super loosely protected or lightly protected. Uh, Danny Ainge is not an executive that has ever been rushed into a deal for all the jokes he has about almost like he is someone who has drawn hard lines in the sand and then stuck to them. Quite frankly, I, I still think that he's going to have more of the leverage here because Mitchell has not requested out yet. Um, and like the Knicks really want Donovan Mitchell. With that being said, the lack of other teams being involved, they keep mentioning Charlotte and Washington as potential destinations. And like Miami has been sort of lurking on the perimeter. The lack of other teams involved here, like the scope of the Donovan Mitchell talks, at least publicly, have not been as large as the Kevin Durant talks, where I guess teams are taking a stab in the dark. And so that might cost the Jazz a little bit of leverage. I ultimately think, though, that the team that's moving the star is always going to have more leverage, even when they ask for out, even when they're sending them to where they want to go. We've seen it in the past. James Harden wanted to go to Brooklyn. Look what Brooklyn gave up for him. Um, you know, Anthony Davis wanted to go to the Lakers. There was a market of one team there. Look what the Lakers gave up for him. This is a little bit different because the Knicks need another star after Donovan Mitchell. They don't already have that star in place, but you need to get one. And I think they're a team that really buys into, we just need to get one and figure out the rest later. The line that they have to straddle is, can we give up X amount for Donovan Mitchell and then still have enough to go out and trade for another star when he becomes available, when that right player becomes available? Because to be a championship team, if you're the Knicks, you need Donovan Mitchell's either equal or functional superior, a better player. Than him. That's not a hot take. It's just a fact right there. And I do think the Knicks, you know, we don't say this much about trade negotiations, but I feel like both the Jazz and the Knicks have played this perfectly. And maybe the Knicks, this could be like a gradual sort of bend to where they eventually break and, and meet Utah's asking price. Uh, I don't think Utah's going to get seven first round picks for Donovan Mitchell. I will be absolutely floored if that happens. Could I see them getting this package? Obi Toppin, five first round picks, and then either an additional youngster. 
uh, and a, an additional first round pick while taking on some other just salary filler and Evan Fournier uh, is Derek Rose involved here. Who knows? Tibbs would probably fight to keep him over Emmanuel quickly, quite frankly. Um, that feels like the setup, what it could be where if the Knicks just threw in Grimes, is this done? Or if they threw in Grimes and one of their own picks or uh, like loosen their protection on one of their own picks. Again, we don't know how many of the Knicks picks are included here. We know there's at least two because to unprotect them, it has to be their own. So at least two. Um, let's like if there's already three of their own in there, let's just assume three of the Knicks picks, do they unprotect one and include Grimes? Does that get the deal done? It feels like that's kind of where we're headed. I need to see the final package before I judge like a winner or a loser there. But I do think ultimately uh, the team that's trading the star is always going to have more of the leverage, especially when if the Jazz want to, they can make this super awkward and wait at least another year before it becomes like terribly urgent to move Mitchell since he has three years left on his deal. But if you're the Knicks, you also have to look at the guy who's on the right side of 27, probably only entering his prime. hasn't even entered his prime yet. Three years left on his deal. Uh, you've shown a sense of urgency with the Jalen Brunson contract. They do feel like the team that I, I don't think that they're, I will also be equally shocked if they get bamboozled here. Like this isn't the, you know, it doesn't feel like James Dolan's going to insert himself into these talks, a la Carmelo Anthony in 2011. You could also argue that the Knicks, uh, in hindsight, didn't really give up that much for Melo, even if the trade didn't pan out as they wanted. Um, but you don't want to be seen universally as giving up too much. And the fact, though, that they've now included five first-round picks, that doesn't feel like it was the baseline offer. But it does feel like they're trying to haggle over, well, if we're giving you all these picks, we want to keep certain young players. My final thing here. Uh, if you're the Jazz, I've already said you're playing this perfectly. You need to try and get another, at least a third Knicks pick. I, I think that's the key here, is that you don't want all these conditional picks. It's kind of cool if they convey in the distance because you don't want to have too many coming in at once. Uh, but you need, like, the other teams have protections on theirs, even if they get looser as time goes on. You need that third Knicks pick. And I think I would want, if I'm the Jazz, the third Knicks pick over Quentin Grimes. And so, like, if that's what's stopping this deal, if the Knicks really want to keep Grimes... We know they kind of want to keep RJ. We know the Jazz don't really want RJ. Um, if it's going to take an additional, you know, six first plus Toppin and Fournier, maybe that's the the middle ground. Um, and there could be more money that needs to be included there. The Jazz just base it entirely on picks and Toppin. Is it quickly and unprotecting one of those picks? There are plenty of different permutations here. I still would be fairly taken aback if the Knicks get out of this without moving Quentin Grimes because so much of the Jazz's rebuild is based in the theoretical right now. Jared Vanderbilt, good young player. Walker Kessler, intriguing. But just having your rebuild tied to picks right off the bat, yeah, I guess it's it's more than fine for a season. I think they've had a great offseason, actually. But you want to have like a young, long-term keeper there that you can point to and say, hey, here's where we're headed. And to only be left with sort of, um, as my nose is running here, apologies, Obi Toppin and... Uh, Walker Kessler in that situation. That's something I think they're going to push more for too, to have an additional body. Maybe it's an Emmanuel quickly or a Quentin Grimes instead. Maybe it's too speak pride for all we know, uh, but that's where the Donovan Mitchell trade talks stand. I think that this deal is inching closer, even though it says no deals imminent yet. The fact that we're at five first round picks, uh, unless they're really shitty first round picks in addition to the, like if the Knicks are only giving up 23 and 25 of their own, but I think the deal is inching closer. I still think it gets done before the start of the season. I actually think it probably behooves the Jazz to let this leak into the regular season and just see if other teams get desperate because of the way they start and enter the mix. But I still think this deal gets done before opening night. Let me know what you think. What would you give up for Donovan Mitchell if you're the Knicks? What would you give up? What do you demand from the Knicks if you're the Jazz? Uh, what do you just think about all of this? Do you think he ends up somewhere else? 
let me know in the comments and please if this is your first time here if you're new around these parts subscribe to the channel and as always i leave you with a shout out to one the only frank nilakina